right, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, um, I know that we have kind of had a lot going on this morning, but I want to share this message because I think it ties in with what uh, we've shared this morning, and I hope that the Lord will speak to your heart. Uh, John chapter 3 is where we're going this morning. John chapter 3, and you say, well, preacher, didn't you just preach out of John chapter 3 a couple of weeks back? Yes, I did, but from another point of view. Uh, I want us to look at John chapter 3, the first 15 verses this morning that tells a wonderful story. I want to talk to you this morning about God's greatest miracle. God's greatest miracle that is still happening today. All right, so stand with me if you would as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. John chapter 3, and starting in verse 1, and it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I have said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou heareth the sound thereof, but cannot tell from whence it come and whither it goeth. So in every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knoweth not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we know, do know, and testify what we have seen, and have received, not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how should you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, thank you for the word that you have given unto us that tells a story of the greatest miracle that is still being performed today. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you'd move me out of the way, that it not be my words, but your word that you have put together for this day to, to back up that which you have said and heard and the testimonies that have been shared this morning. May the Spirit of the Lord move in the hearts and lives of people. And if there's one who does not know you today, may they experience the truth of the greatest miracle yet to be performed in their life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated this morning. I wanted to tell you that there is a great miracle that the Lord Jesus is performing today, and if you have not experienced it, you can be a part of it. I want to begin by telling you a story. A man and a wife, now this always ends well, a man and their wife went out on an afternoon drive in the mountains. As the sun began to set, the wife mentioned to her husband that they were low on gas. 
She pointed out the gas station in the mountains were not numerous in the mountains as they are in the city from which they were from. She suggested that they go back to the gas station that they had just passed. Like most husbands, the man refused to listen. Instead, he insisted that he knew when and where to get gas. After several miles, he spotted an old country store with a single antique gas pump out front. It was old, and he wondered, is it really going to work? The husband went inside to ask about the pump, and he was relieved to discover that the old pump still worked and there was gas. The husband thought, phew, everything's working out great now. My wife was wrong, and I was right for once. He says, I was lucky, but sometimes luck is better than being good. He paid for the gas, looked at the old gas attendant there, and simply said to the old mountain man, it sure is good to be alive, isn't it? The old mountain Man replied, can't say, I ain't been any other way. For those of you that don't get it, you'll get it on the way home. Okay? You ain't been any other way but alive, yet. All right? The message of John chapter 3 is about being another way. It's about being another way, being born again another way. Some of you know what it is to be lost and yet be found. You know what it is to be dead in your sins, but yet made alive in Christ through a new birth that Jesus Christ gave to us because of what he did on Calvary's cross and the resurrection of the tomb. Others of you can experience this new birth today, and my prayer is that you will. A commonly used phrase today in our world is a phrase that we oftentimes hear, born-again Christians. Often, the context is be, being used to distinguish Christians who are born again from those who are not, which is really not an incorrect way to look at this distinction, for the fact is that all true believers are born again. The thing is that born-again believer means that I am uh, born again where I was once lost, but now I've been found. But what does it mean to be born again? The Bible uses this expression, uh, born again, only in a few places in Scripture. Jesus, in his conversation here with Nicodemus in chapter 3, Peter used it in his first epistle in 1 Peter chapter 1, and although the idea is used of born of God many times, John used it several times, in his discussion with Nicodemus, Jesus reveals much about what it means to be born again. The Gospel of John is arranged around the seven miracles that John calls the signs of Christ's glory. The Gospel of John is all about the fact that it, it makes us know that God sent His Son into the world and He did that by performing certain miracles to show the glory of God. But might I remind you that of the seven miracles that John references to, this chapter 3 is not one of them. 
But I think that there is a great miracle that is taking place. When, one of the reasons why I guess John didn't consider it a miracle is because as we read the story, it doesn't seem as though Nicodemus responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ through salvation. But the majestic promise that God made to Nicodemus that day about being born again qualifies as one of God's greatest miracles. And what makes it the greatest miracle of all is the fact that after 2,000 plus years, God is still doing that in every heart that opens their life up to Christ. His Spirit comes in and makes us born again. I don't know about you, but that's a great miracle. It's happening over and over and over again. And the gospel has to be preached. The message has to be shared. The love of Christ has to be given. And then the Spirit of God has to draw us out of our sin into His marvelous light in order for us to be born again. It is a great miracle because of the magnitude of the gift and the fact that this miracle is performed in hearts and lives of both children and adults, both young and old, Christ is offering unto us today that miracle of everlasting life if we will receive. Now, I want us to look at a few things. First of all, um, as we look at the encounter with Jesus, it reads like a three-act play, beginning with a description of an inquiring man named Nicodemus. Act 2 consists of a, a dilemma where the main character is presented with an interesting and intriguing mystery. And then the third act shows up that, that Nicodemus is given an opportunity to resolve the mystery that has been presented to him. An opportunity for, like all of us, to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in one of two ways. We either say, yes, Lord... I'm willing to receive the gift that you're offering or no thank you. I'll do it my way. So I want us to begin by looking at inquiring minds need to know. You see, inquiring minds need to know that God is offering unto us a gift. Though we find several harsh criticisms in the Bible about Jewish religious leaders, the scripture describes Nicodemus in a certain way. They tell us that he is a devout leader who is genuinely seeking divine truth. He's a seeker. He's intrigued by, by the, the, the very things that Jesus is doing, and he comes looking for answers. You know, today we have many seekers. We have people that come to church on any given Sunday looking for something. Now, I don't always know what they're looking for. I hope that it is a relationship with Jesus Christ, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes they come looking for relationship with other people. Sometimes they come looking for good music programs. Sometimes they come seeking just somebody that will listen. You know, people are seeking answers and seeking in many different directions. Nicodemus was seeking that night. He was seeking some answers, some, some plaguing questions that were on his mind. What are the questions that are on your mind today? 
What are the things that you're seeking? What are the things that you're needing? What are you looking for when you come to church on any given Sunday morning? What is it that you want to take away from this time, from this hour, as we spend it together? I hope that it is more than what you hear me say. I hope it is more than what our choir sings. I hope that you are coming looking for a closer, deeper understanding of who Christ is and how you can live for Him and how you can have a better relationship with Him. I think those are some of the reasons that Nicodemus came that night, even though he didn't even know it. You see, as practicing Pharisee, we can conclude that Nicodemus was religious, and we already heard a testimony about that idea of religiosity. We know that he was politically active. He was educated. He was financially secure. He was a respected leader in his community. For his day, Nicodemus had everything the world seemed to offer. What did he need Christ for? If he had all of these things, what did he need Christ for? He possesses a sin-sick soul that needed God's amazing grace to deliver him from sin. Just like all of us, we are born into this world with a sinful nature. We're born separated from a relationship with God. But as I told you last week, God created in all of us an area within our heart that is an empty spot that only God himself can fill. Many people in our world are seeking all kinds of things to fill that void only to find out that relationships and drugs and, and, and pornography and sex and uh, all the other things that this world is offering leaves us empty in that spot. And what we need is Jesus. So as we look at this, this seeker, we find that Nicodemus, the seeker, Twice the Gospel of John tells us that he came to Jesus at night. Why the nocturnal visit? Well, there are several possibilities perhaps, and I want to give you just three very quickly. First of all, the first one that comes to mind is for fear. Fear that, that, that uh, uh, if he was seen asking or communing with Jesus, it would, it would disrupt his standing among his peers. We're told that fellow Sanhedrin members like Joseph of Arimathea hadn't publicly identified himself yet with Jesus because he feared the consequences of the Jews. Was Nicodemus afraid? Perhaps. Perhaps he seemed bolder uh, since he stood up for Jesus in the meeting at the Sanhedrin. After this encounter, he said that, you know, well, there's things that we might want to consider, but he only went so far. Then maybe it was that it was out of caution. Maybe he came at night. Probably caution fits Nicodemus the best. He doesn't want to be seen uh, uh, endorsing the teaching of this new Galilean's teachers until he is sure that, that he's different from all the others that proclaim to be from God. I talked about this in my Sunday school class this morning as we were talking about Antichrist those who are against the things of Christ. We need to be careful that we check the sources of what we're reading, what we're hearing, what we're studying to make sure they align with this word before we jump in and say, I'll take it. If it doesn't align with Scripture, as we heard in the testimony, it's time for us to cut and run. 
And Nicodemus wanted to make sure that what Jesus was spouting was that which was from God. And then thirdly, perhaps it was accessibility. You know, the Bible tells us that wherever Jesus went, a crowd of people came, and, and it was hard to have an intimate conversation with Jesus in the midst of a crowd of people asking him to perform miracles and do this and to do that and to, to do all kinds of things. Perhaps maybe he came thinking, this is my time for me and him just to sit down and have an intimate relationship with God. Nighttime was probably a good choice for any eager seeker. Notice how, if you would, if you read the story, the, 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 how Nicodemus approaches Jesus. He, he says two things about him that we need to understand that tells us that Nicodemus didn't look at him as a quack, but as a possible voice from God. He first of all calls him rabbi. He says, rabbi, which uh, refers to in the Hebrew as the great one. Nicodemus acknowledged the legitimacy of Jesus' teaching role. Through, though Jesus was not educated like Nicodemus and so many others under the best school of the rabbis, Jesus had, of course, we know, uh, according to his younger days at the age of 12, um, he impressed the teachers and, and uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders in Luke chapter 2 when his mother and father found him sitting among them asking and answering questions that was far beyond any 12-year-old's ability. Nicodemus gives Jesus high praise by calling him rabbi, saying that which you are spouting, that which you are teaching, it is not from here, it is from somewhere else. Listen, let me tell you, the reason that we are encouraging you to read the Bible throughout the year is because this word is not from man, it is from God, and it is for us in troubled times. Nicodemus said, Lord, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, it is for us, for now, during troubled times, I need to hear more. And then he calls him a teacher that comes from God. Unlike some of the other fellow Pharisees and religious leaders who claimed that Jesus was none other than a, a crazy man calling upon Satan to, to, to do the, the miracles that he was doing, Nicodemus re recognized his divine origin. Jesus' miracles came from heaven above. Lots of people had seen Jesus' miracles and had been attracted to him. But the scripture says that while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw miraculous signs that he was doing and believed in his name. Nicodemus was one of those who became a seeker, who became a, a, an inquisitor, who, who wanted to know more because this man was not like every other man. This man was from God. Yet he isn't a true believer. He isn't fully made the leap into receiving the miraculous touch that God, through Jesus Christ, gives to all who believe. Listen, I'm thankful that close now to 40 years ago that God stirred my heart and told me that Jesus just wasn't something that we did at church, but Jesus was someone who came to save me from my sins. I'm thankful 
that he performed a miracle in me that took that which was dead and made it alive. And he can do it with you. But there's Nicodemus who is the seeker, but there are we who are seekers. We the seeker today. The Bible says that God has set eternity in our heart in Ecclesiastes 3.11. The world and the experience it offers testifies to God's glory, but the world can never satisfy the deepest desire of your soul and mine. If we are here today and hungering, if we have come to find food to satisfy our hunger, if we are thirsty, we can find drink to, qu the, to quench our thirst. If we desire companionship, we can find someone to walk along life with us. If we're looking for uh, adventure and, and mysteries, then we can find those things because the world has an unlimited supply of things that are not eternal. But there is only one source that we can go that can satisfy the longing of our eternal soul. The one place that we can go to connect with God the Father is through Jesus Christ the Son. The philosophers called this desire a God-shaped vacuum that could never be filled with any created thing or person. Only God himself can fill that place in your heart and soul, that place that is made for eternity. There's a children's book out there, and some of you parents might recognize it when I tell you the story. It's called, Are You My Mother? Um, it reminds me that we all have a desire for relationship with a creator. In the story, a baby bird is hatched while his mother is out gathering food. Throughout the story, the baby bird is looking around and trying to figure out who is his mother. The bird goes to all kinds of different animals, even to a tractor, and asks, are you my mother? Only to find out that None of them were his mother. You see, don't miss, with the, the, the silliness of the child's story, don't miss the eternal message that can be found in this. All of us are seeking a relationship. We're all seeking to have that relationship that is bigger and, and beyond ourselves. We have been made to experience a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The creator of the universe has made it so that every human being born into this world has a longing to connect with him. But yet the Bible says that our sin drives us away. We love our sin, our darkness, better than we love the drawing of our spirit. But for those... For those of us that long to find that relationship, to long to seek and to look until we find, until we feel that gap that is missing. And the only place is in our Father. If you're inquiring today, if your soul is looking today, wondering about a relationship with our Heavenly Father, let me remind you that today is the day in which you can have that relationship. You can put all of the seeking aside and find what you've been looking for. That which has been drawing you, that which has been calling you, that which has caused an emptiness in your heart so, so to be filled to overflow. When Jesus comes in, he doesn't just half fill us, my friends. 
He doesn't just fill us to the full line. When Jesus comes in, he fills us to overflowing. He wants us to spill out on others. So don't put it off. Jesus is here today for you if you're seeking him. Remember, if you're seeking Jesus, it's only because the Spirit of God is first seeking you. And secondly, an intriguing mystery is revealed. In John chapter 3 and verses 3 through 8, we find that there is a heavenly journey. We're all on a heavenly journey. We're living this life and we think that we're living this life just to make it day by day. And and, and we oftentimes are told by the world, if you can just get through today, you will make it. But listen, we're not living for today. We're not living for tomorrow. We're living for eternity. We're alive so that we can spend an eternity with God our Father. We're on a heavenly journey. One might think that Jesus' reply to Nicodemus' statement seems rather abrupt and, and, and off-topic when Jesus says, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus is talking about the miracles that Jesus had performed to discuss the kingdom of God. However, Nicodemus' own presence that night with a miracle worker is a powerful testimony that he is seeking the kingdom of God to which all miracles come from. Nicodemus is hungering to see and to understand the kingdom that is just outside of his understanding. We're often so eager to understand what it means to be born again that we forget. And we oftentimes miss that Jesus, what Jesus wants us to understand about the kingdom that is yet to come. Jesus tells us two things that he tells Nicodemus here that I want you to hear this morning. First of all, Jesus reminds Nicodemus that the kingdom of God is spiritually discerned. None of us are going to understand in our lost condition, none of us are going to understand the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to understand what heaven is all about and what is there and what is, what is waiting for all who put their faith and trust in Christ. The kingdom is spiritually discerned. That is, you can't see it, you can't grasp it um, spiritually unless first and foremost you are born from above. Or as John says, born again. You can't enter into that kingdom Jesus made a profound statement in John's gospel a little later on when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father. No one gets to heaven apart from me. Jesus made that statement, said, I am the key, Nicodemus. Nobody gets to heaven unless you are first born of the Spirit. But not only is it as spiritually discerned, he also reminds us the kingdom is spiritually entered. You can't enter, Nicodemus, on your goodness. You can't enter in on your reputation. For some of you, you're thinking that you can enter in on your mother's or father's coattails. They were very religious. They were very right. They had a love for the Lord. And I'll just slip in. I'll just ride in on their coattails. No, it's an individual matter. Every one of us must receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior if we ever expect to enter in to glory. Children, you can't go in on your parents. Parents, you can't go in on the former generation. 
And listen, God doesn't grade on the curve. He doesn't look around and say, well, you, at least you were better than some. No, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. I am the only way. Therefore, Jesus responds to the inquiry of Nicodemus with an intriguing mystery. He says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. But what does it mean? Many of us have heard the phrase all of our life, but yet we fail to grasp the the strange and uh, uh, significance of those words to Nicodemus. He had never heard it before. It's no wonder he says, listen, do you not understand? Look at how old I am. He said, look, I'm as old as Joe. How in the world am I going back to my mother and be born again? He wasn't talking about going back to the mother's womb. Jesus said, listen, you were born of the water. You were born physically. Now you must be born spiritually. There must be a spiritual birth. Jesus was reminding them. John referred to the eternal life as light, living water, living bread. The terminology is an illustration that communicates spiritual principles that Nicodemus should have known as a teacher of the scripture, but because the devil had blinded his eyes, he could not see. He was lost. And he could not see his own salvation need and the one that was presenting that to him. The second thing that we see is that there is a heavenly birth. And this is in two parts of the heavenly birth. First of all, there's God's part. The concept of being born again reveals that it is a spiritual principle of unseen reality. Jesus proclaims that a man needs to be born once of the water, referring to the physical birth, and then second of the spiritual birth. If you're here today listening to my voice, let me just help you out here. (laughs) You've already accomplished the first one. (laughs) You've already been born of the water. You've been born physically. But just because you're here today listening to my words does not mean that you have been born again spiritually. Unless you have come to understand what God has done for you through Jesus Christ as your Savior... If you've come to understand that your sin separated you, but His righteousness paid your debt that you could not pay, unless you realize that His death, burial, and then His resurrection was what gives us, grants us access to heaven, we will never get there. God did what He needed to do for us. He paid the price. He made the way. What we need to do is what is before us. Consider the places that God used this term, born again. Several places through the New Testament, I want to read the the scriptures just to kind of get that in your mind. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the rights to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, or of human hands, but born of God. No one who is born of God will continue in sin because God's seed remains in him, and he cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child as well. For you who have been born again, not of the perishable seed, but of imperishable 
through the living and enduring Word of God. God said, I've done my part. The second part of being born again is our part. What must we do? So in this context, I believe that Jesus was saying to Nicodemus and to us as well, we must be born anew by our own acknowledgement, by our own repentance, by our own humbling, that we say, God, I am not able to get there on my ability, but I recognize my sinfulness keeps me from you. My sinfulness does not allow me access into heaven. Tells us that we must humble ourselves before God and the Holy Spirit so that we can receive the divine work of regeneration. You can't enter the kingdom of God on your own efforts or by your own merits. You cannot work your way, for by faith are you saved through grace and that not of any works that you can commit. For we all must surrender ourselves before God. As the writer uh, Paul said in Philippians, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Don't wait until you're commanded to do it. Do it now when the Spirit of God is drawing you to acknowledge He is Lord. Jesus directed Nicodemus to consider the spiritual issues, then revealed the urgent responsibility of every one of us heeding to the message that He is teaching. Again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus makes it clear that which upsets so many in our society today that says, how can you make such a claim that Jesus is the only way? Why can't I find another way? Because no one but Jesus came from the Father. No one but Jesus returned to the Father, not as dead, but as alive. That's what makes his claim so real. We must be born again. And then the third act is an inspiring message to all. In John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Jesus is sharing an inspiring message to Nicodemus about a relationship of faith and life. Jesus calls attention to an incident that took place during the Israelite sojourner through the desert in the book of Exodus as they were leaving Egypt. Many of them had sinned and rebelled against God, and God sent a, a, a plague upon them, a serpents biting them, and when they did, they died. And Moses cried out to the Lord, What can I do? How can I save the people? And God told Moses to, to make a serpent um, a brass and bronze and put it on a pole and hold it up, and anyone that looks to that bronze snake looks up. Even though they're bitten, they shall be healed shall not die. And so it is that Jesus is saying the same for us. Look up. Look up. As I have to be lifted up, just like the serpent in the wilderness, he who looks to me, though he die, yet shall he live. My friends, I don't know about you, but Jesus wants us to hear that there is a hope 
in this hopeless world. There is a light in the darkness. There is a, a, a Savior that has been lifted up for us to receive. Nicodemus couldn't fully understand what Jesus was referring to because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. But when you and I look back, we see that exactly what he meant. Who are we to look up to? None other than Jesus Christ who died on Calvary's cross. So that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he joyfully accepts all races, men, women, rich, poor, young, and old, Jesus simply has come to save the sin-ridden and self-righteous. Not only is being born again available to all, but it is also accomplished by God. A person does not birth himself. This use of this metaphor communicates a biblical truth that without Christ, we will remain dead in our sins without hope of ever being saved without a hope of eternal life. The Greek word translated born in the subject of being born again is a way of saying that something happened to us. God is the one performing the action upon that person who is born again. The word also communicates that a person does not have to get saved multiple times. You only need to be born again. You ever hear mountain preachers say that? You know, uh, we need to be born again. Well, it might not be good English, but it's good theology. Because what that really is saying is that you're only born again once. Once you're born, you're born. That's all there is to it. You're saved by the grace of God. It may not sound right, but it sure is right. God's amazing grace is for all who would receive and all who would accept. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The world will never meet our deepest hunger for our soul. But God has. And He will. As you consider the encounter of Nicodemus this morning, how would you describe your spiritual condition? Are you seeking? Are you accepting? Are you rejecting? What's the condition of your heart? Is it full or is it empty? Is there a void there that is calling you to fill it with something and you've tried all kinds of things and you've come this morning saying, maybe, maybe there'll be something that I can get from there. Let me tell you, his name is Jesus. And he's called you here today to receive his goodwill, his good work, his salvation. Will you accept the offer? The offer to be born again today? Will you allow the greatest miracle in the world to be performed in your heart? Or will you take the greatest miracle that God has ever performed and take it and share it with others so they might too know the will of God? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity today to Talk about your greatest miracle, the miracle that you did in my life and you've done in so many in this room, but yet, Lord, I don't know all the hearts. Only you do. 
So my prayer right now is, Holy Spirit, would you work and stir and minister into the hearts and lives of people? And Lord, if there are those that are seeking, those that are, that are empty, would you fill them today? Would you come this very moment and draw them out of their darkness into your marvelous light? Would you take them from a spiritually dead state to a spiritually alive? Oh, Father, we come today seeking what you have come to draw us to. So, Lord, if there are lost ones here this morning, that they might know you are here. If, Lord, there are Christians here today that are struggling with, 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 with burdens and struggles of life, may they know that the one who born them again is the one who walks with them through life every day. And Lord, you desire that deep, deep, deep relationship. And Lord, you gave us your word so that we could continue to grow in grace and knowledge of you. And so, Father, I pray that in just the next few moments that you would stir in the hearts of people today. Let it be so, O Lord, that we came today to meet you and we have left today meeting you. In Jesus' name I pray.